welcome to the inaugural episode of My Spouse Made Me Watch It. I'm Justin. And I'm Katie. And the concept of the show is quite simple. Every episode, one of us picks a movie. That we genuinely like. That the other person has not seen. We make them watch it. And then get their thoughts on it. Exactly. We are married and... We do not share a very large back catalog of movies that both of us have seen. The idea is that we will interview the other person before we watch the movie to get an idea of what they think the movie is uh, about. Then we will watch it with them and see how well they did. So the way every episode will be structured is that we'll sit and talk about the movie and about... The person that hasn't seen it, in this case, your expectations for the movie. And then we will pause our recording. We will go watch it together. Afterwards, we will come back and then we will break down what you thought about the movie. So let's go ahead and start with our first movie. And Katie, what is today's movie? Our first movie is a Star Wars that is not the title of the movie. <laughs> Wait, I got it here on IMDb. Okay, pull t- up your IMDb. The title of the movie is A New Hope. Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yes. It's not a Star War. It is Star Wars. There are multiple wars. Multiple wars. It is plural. So like I was explaining, the uh, pre-movie process... We'll focus primarily on the expectations of the other person. And since I have seen Star Wars probably no less than 30 or 40 times in my lifetime, this whole pre-show focus will be on you. Yes. So with that, I've got a few questions for you. Okay, I'm excited. First, to the best of your ability, try to describe the plot of Star Wars. Of Star Wars as a whole or of A New Hope? Of A New Hope. Okay. Um, As far as I know, there are secret siblings who maybe have an incestuous... I'm not sure if it actually gets incesty or if it's just like some implied (laughs) incest. There's some light incest is my understanding. Um, And then there's Harrison Ford who has a big furry boy. And I'm not sure. I, I'm assuming I the what are their names? Luke and Leia. I do know that is their names. Uh, and I'm assuming that in this first movie we go through like the typical hero's journey. So Luke gets some sort of call to adventure. Uh, he rejects the call, and then something happens to pull him into the adventure. Maybe encountering. The secret sister slash love interest. Um, I think Harrison Ford is a bounty hunter. I think. Not sure. Um, And his furry boy is like his. Why do you keep saying furry boy? Because that's what he is. It just sounds weird what you're saying. (laughs) Isn't. There's a thing with lots of hair and, like, a machine gun, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, it's not called the furry boy. <laughs> well, I, would, <laughs> I was assuming it wasn't called the furry boy, but that's I'm, how. I'm just saying that's a weird way to phrase it. Like, 
I would have expected you to phrase it like a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot type creature. I think it's more lovable than that. I think in the context of the story. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, continue okay. with your plot. Um, so I'm not sure. Somehow they become like a power trio. Um, and they go on this adventure together. All bring in their skills. I'm assuming they have as a bounty hunter. What is what is the adventure? What are they trying to do? Um, I think they have to save the galaxy, <laughs> or maybe their kingdom, their republic. They have to save something, mm-hmm. and there is a bad guy who is his father. I do know that. This is the bad guy is his father. Um, and they have to, to save the galaxy from him, is my understanding. Okay, that's pretty good. Is it close? You'll see. All right. So what else about Star Wars in general do you know? Uh, Star Wars in general, I know there are good guys that are Jedi and are blue or green. And there are bad guys who are Sith and are red. And they're color-coded for convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the bad guy is the father. I know that's pretty cool. Pretty iconic cover art. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's, that's, there's... That's the extent of your... There's, like, a slug thing at some point. A slug, okay. I know that. There's, um, like, a big Tin Manny sort of thing. Uh, that's a robot. That's their friend, their mm-hmm. <laughs> companion. They're, like, a animal companion, <laughs> but a robot. Um... But I think it serves the function of like the animal companion in in a movie, uh, and then I think there's an there's another robot that's like a little dome, that rolls around, that is also basically an animal companion. And then there's something called Jar Jar Binks that people don't like. Not <laughs> sure where that comes in. Uh, <laughs> I've been led to believe this is a very big part of. The story of the story as a whole story yes uh and then i know people don't like the one through three in general people don't like it and mm-hmm. it has natalie portman in it and now there's new ones mm-hmm. and there's new ones now there are new ones now um and i think the new ones have um well the lead is a girl and she gets to fight instead of have buns um, and, <laughs> and then I, and there's another robo pet, uh, and Carrie Fisher was in it, but then she died. And, uh, that guy from girls is in it. I think he's still alive. That's what I got. Very nice. Uh, Most of my Star Wars context I do have is in fifth grade on like the last day of school when the teacher doesn't want to teach you anything. We watched a Star Wars spinoff film about Ewoks. 
I, I know it's a spinoff of Star Wars, but I'm not sure how Ewoks play into Star Wars proper. <laughs> I don't feel like I've ever absorbed anything in the cultural zeitgeist about what those are or what sort of role they're playing or how they come into the Star War. <laughs> Again, it is Star Wars, not I, the Star Wars. Well, I'm assuming <laughs> the Ewoks were only involved in one of the wars. Is that correct? One of the episodes. So one war, <clears throat> a singular Star War that the Ewoks were in? Uh, one of the Star Wars movies. Okay. But in canon as a whole, there are a lot of canon stories that involve Ewok. Are they e? What, what is the proper plural of that? Is it Ewoks or Ewok? Now, now I wish I knew. <laughs> All right. How much do you think you are going to like Star Wars? What is your prediction for Star Wars? I think that's a tough one. I... Do you think it will be a good movie? I think it will be an okay movie. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not I will like it, I, I do really like space and I like sci-fi. So I, I think this has the raw materials. Yeah, you're self-proclaimed. I would like. You're self-proclaimed somebody that really enjoys sci-fi. But you have never seen Star Wars. I and okay, which basically <laughs> kind of like boosted the genre into what we have now. I enjoy. I feel like I made this claim to you in the context of liking it over fantasy. Like, please don't make me watch Lord of the Rings on this. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> um, so I, I think that claim was in the context of preferring a sci-fi over fantasy like i i am 100 convinced that i will like this more than if you make me watch a lord of the rings but it was also in the context of what is one of the first tv shows that you had me watch that i had never seen firefly right yes so it's in the in that context as well that's true i do really enjoy firefly and i think this might have some like elements that are similar sort of a a frontier of space mm -hmm. a little less literally than Firefly, but similar things. But I think it also is going to have to contend with the 70s. Is that when this was made? 70s? Mm-hmm. The 70s. All right, to help kind of guide your way into uh, trying to figure out what you think this movie will be about, how how it will affect you, what you will think about this movie... You have found an IMDb review that you want to share. Uh, yes, this review is from Cone Tiki 2, who gave it a 1 out of 10 stars with the headline, The Most Overrated Movie of All Time. And I think I am expecting this movie to feel overrated. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like the vast majority of people now who are watching Star Wars and telling other people to watch Star Wars were children when they saw this. So there's like a heavy dose of uh, nostalgia rosying the glasses of the viewing experience. Uh, not that that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing, but I think it's very much set up to be a, a cinematic masterpiece. Uh, and I think it might just be a nostalgic masterpiece. 
What if I told you that we had a friend that hasn't hadn't seen Star Wars before until he was already an adult and was surprised how good of a movie it was? Who's the friend? Christian. Christian Hall? Yes. Sorry, Christian, I'm not going <laughs> to trust your review of this. <laughs> I'm not saying he thought it was the best movie ever, but he was surprised. He was like, oh, wow, this is actually a good movie. Like, he thought, too, that mm-hmm. it was that rose-colored glasses. So, something to think in mind okay. as you're watching. All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with this review. Oh, you're going to read the whole review. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some highlights. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so, Cone Tiki 2 says... Uh, I liked this movie when it first came out as a teenager. I saw it about seven or eight times. In parentheses, there was nothing else to do on weekends. About 20 years went by before I saw it again on cable. How time dulls the memory! Exclamation point. Star Wars now has an odd, nauseating effect. The 70s haircuts, laughable costumes, cheesy dialogue, fake visual effects, corny music, uninteresting soap opera plot. I could go on and on. Um, yeah. Oh, something else in his review that I'm going to point out is says, um, after hearing John Williams' irritating Darth Vader theme for the 600th time in the first 40 minutes, uh, why George Lucas decided we needed to hear this high-volume musical cue every time we see Darth Vader on screen is beyond me. Maybe he just thinks his audience is extremely stupid and is incapable of remembering that uh, Darth Vader is supposed to be evil. I don't know. Ellipsis. Uh, so I think maybe from uh, a 2018 perspective in which I think filmmakers are more, maybe not, I don't know, occasionally more inclined <laughs> to trust the the intelligence of their audience, uh, I don't think. I would argue against that. <laughs> <laughs> Having seen most Marvel movies over the last decade, uh, I would argue against that. Uh, I'm not sure if I've seen a Marvel movie in the last decade, so I have no Not saying they're not good movies, but (laughs) I'm saying that they follow the exact same musical tropes. Like, that is, that, it's the same reason a horror movie has music to underscore it. It's all, and to disparage John Williams, (laughs) Academy Award winning John Williams, this score was the score won an Academy Award for this movie. I'm pretty sure. Oh, well, I let's, will be let's paying look, special let's, attention let's, to the score. Let's scroll. This is one of the best scores of all time, Katie. Won six Oscars. How does that change your opinion? The score won six Oscars? This movie won be- six Oscars. Best art direction, best costume design, best sound, best film editing, best effects, and best music original score, John Williams. Wow, John Williams. Well, I'll be paying special. So attention the Academy, to the, score now. the Academy in the seventies felt that this film was worth recognition. Yes, it was a, a major success, but it was also critically acclaimed. Something to keep in mind. Don't let Cone Tiki. <laughs> Cone Tiki. Tiki, if you're out there, tweet at me, bro. But uh, I don't think Cone Tiki. Cone Tiki might be dead now because he wrote this review in 1999. Was IMDb around in 1999? It says 1999. What? 
That is when Cone Tiki wrote this review. 1999. He's probably still alive. I don't know. Cone Tiki, if you're still alive, tweet at Justin. He just, he kind of sounds like a, a pompous jerk, so. You don't know Cone Tiki? Uh, he saw it seven times in high school and he can't find a single good thing about it now. Yeah, May 14th, 1999. That's when IMDb went out? No, that's when Cone Tiki posted this review. I don't know when IMDb came out. That's mind boggling. Cone Tiki, I will give you this. You are an early adapter, my friend. An early adapter? Yeah. He was <laughs> on IMDb before most people had the internet. He had to dial up to IMDb. Wasn't IMDb originally a like list of just like hot actresses? Is that what it started as? I don't think so. I think it was more industry geared. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When do you think IMDb was launched? I would have said like 2004. I don't know. Okay. IMDb was launched October 17th, 1990. IMDb is older than both of us. Well, not you. No, no it is it older is. than you. It's older than you by... Three months. A couple, a few months, yeah. Wow. That's, that's incredible. That's shocking. It must, I, it must have been really difficult to use when it first went up. What did... I don't... What did websites even look like in 1990? Let's find out. I'm going to look at the Wayback Machine. Oh, yes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I am right, actually. IMDb originated with a Usenet posting by British film fan and computer programmer Cole Needham entitled Those Eyes about actresses with beautiful eyes. Others with similar interests soon responded with additions or different lists of their own. Needham subsequently started an actor's list, director's list, the list later to be renamed actress list so i was actually correct it was originally a list of the uh, hottest eyes in hollywood okay the furthest back the wayback machine goes is 1996 ah darn it we can go to two snapshots from december 21st 1996 oh what that's what it looked like and you can see at the bottom, copyright 1990 to 1996. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to go watch Star Wars? Uh, I don't feel like you've adequately captured my feelings about Star Wars. You don't feel like I've adequately captured your feelings about Star Wars? No. Whose fault is that? You got to answer the <laughs> questions. Uh, I think that watching Star, Star Wars, Star Wars... Uh, I think I will think it was a, a good movie for 1970, but I think it'll still seem overrated. Those are my feelings on Star Wars. Okay, let's watch it. All right, Star Wars. We watched it. We did watch it. And what did you think? Um... What did I think of Star Wars? Um, after watching it, I think I did a pretty good job. I think I basically knew what Star Wars was about, having mm -hmm. never seen it. Um, I think I did pretty good with my predictions. It was very 70s, but I feel like it's far enough removed that it was delightful as compared. Describe very 70s. 
Uh, just the hair, the bad costumes, the... But is it... Do, would you argue that it is bad or that it completely set an entire world? Because, like, the costumes haven't changed in the modern day. It, it, it basically created a whole new genre of costumes that, that are still in existence chic. now. <laughs> very influenced by their times, though. And I don't think they're bad. I think it's very... Like, it looks like something that somebody would make intentionally now to be edgy like it kind of reminds me of when we watched Brixby Bear yeah when we watched Brixie Bear Brixby Bear Bear, is what it was called it kind of had that like low quality film (laughs) sort of crackly and and grainy looking intentionally for like this is my well this is my design that's because it was shot on actual film Katie (laughs) (laughs) It was shot on film. That's the reason it looks like it was is all grainy and film-like. That's the reason it looks like it was made in the 70s. Um, but also, like, what was that? Like, we just saw a trailer at a, when we went to see the movies um, for... Who was it? Somebody that you like is making a movie with, like, a little boy, and he's, like, skateboarding a lot in the trailer. Jonah Hill? Sure, Yes. The escape, maybe that must be the one you're talking about. Yes, yeah, that one. Okay, like that it's looks like, like that in the '90s. <laughs> well, but that one's made to look like it's shot on like a '90s home VHS recorder. Exactly. So people, it looks like what people do intentionally now. So there's something delightful and nostalgic about that. Okay. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? That's just an odd direction to go with that. I didn't expect that to be... That's just how movies were filmed for (laughs) most of the time movies have been made. And it's delightful. Like, Cone Tiki was, like, very off-put by the 70s-ish quality of it. Cone Tiki, too. Uh, But I found it delightful. So for this section... This does, portion does that I did, adequately like describe my overall thoughts on No, Star because Wars. I do not know what you thought about the movie as a whole. <laughs> All I know is that you thought that the it felt 70s-ish and which it was delightful. It was the, you thought the movie was delightful. Yes, I thought it was. So delightful. overall, two thumbs up. Yes. Okay. Were you, are you surprised by the fact that you enjoyed the movie? No, I like delightful things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not surprised that I enjoyed the movie. Um, then what what kept you from watching the movie before now? It just seemed like a big commitment. So overall, my feelings on Star Wars was that it was delightful, uh, very tropey and predictable, but in a fun way. Like there's there's a reason mm-hmm. those things our tropes is mm-hmm. because it's fun to watch and it's easy to watch and you know it's a good kickback with popcorn movie and hopefully at some point in time you'll be able to see that's the the first movie is setting up the rest of the film franchise too so you know those those tropes exist now but in some ways are broken as the mm-hmm. continued story unfolds 
Yes, and as the internet, my and my research for this section of the podcast, it seems that like when he wrote this first one, the rest of it wasn't planned out. Wasn't necessarily going exactly. to be made. Yeah, so so things changed and and short, sort of uh, shifted. One of the reasons I wanted to watch this movie is because I feel like it is. One, I feel like it's genuinely a good movie and it is perhaps the most influential movie, period. I would argue that the scope of influence of this movie over the collective minds of every guy born born since like 1960 at least has is pretty massive so do you do you see why this was a big deal of a movie and why people still get pulled in to this movie in particular but then the wider star wars universe as a whole um i think i understand from the perspective of when this was created he clearly had uh, a vision of like a very wide world that this was taking place in so there's lots of room to play with that um so i think that's probably part of the reason why it continues on and on and on yes yeah, so why it uh was such a big a deal and why as you say it changed movies i think i need more context for what sorts of movies were coming out in the 70s to really uh, extrapolate on that as to why it's so beloved um, I would probably say because the like bones of the story do seem to be quite simple and familiar I think it's very accessible mm -hmm. uh, and something that could probably capture the imaginations of anybody whether you were a kid when you saw it or older or um, I was pleasantly surprised actually by the diversity in the movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, there was the, there was some ethnic flavor in the background. Uh, his friend from the mushroom farm <laughs> had, like, a pretty <laughs> voluminous, a little bit stereotypical now, but in the 70s, normal, like, mustache. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so that was pleasantly surprising. Um the female character is decent. Uh, She's very competent. Very, very, again, you know, not, I, I was expecting less for the time. So you don't think in a vacuum on its own, it merits transcendence. You think that it would only be able to be perceived that way in comparison with other movies from the 70s. Like if another Star Wars movie had never been made. Besides this mm -hmm. one, do I think it would have the same? I don't think it would have the cult following. You don't think it'd have the cult following or the mainstream following? I mean, there would be the people who are really into it, but I, I don't think it would have the the religious following that <laughs> it seems to have hmm. now from from a wide swath of the of the population. It would okay. be a, a beloved by some, I think, if there had only been one. 
without without the sequels. Yes, yeah. If there had if nothing had been made after A New Hope, I think it would it would be like that gem that you would discover mm-hmm. uh, in your dad's old VHSs. And it probably would have been better. I'm a better movie from what you have led me to believe. What about would have? the if there had only been the one movie, I think that one movie would have been better. You were saying that there was some pretty egregious digital remastering mm-hmm. done to this movie. Yep, in the late 90s. Uh, and, and once you told me that, I couldn't stop looking at it. It was so bad. If memory serves me well... I believe it is worst in the first film. Well, that's that's good because everything else, like I said, had that quality of where it doesn't necessarily like the that m- mammoth thing uh, that was puppeted. It doesn't look great by <laughs> today's CGI standard, but it looks delightful. Like I said, like it looks like something that could be in a who's that guy who makes the creature movies now who made a pan's labyrinth guillermo del toro guillermo del toro thank you like that thing looks like something that could be in a guillermo del toro movie today and the digitally remastered stuff just looks like garbage which I, I think we discovered something about Cone Tiki 2 because Cone Tiki 2, if you remember from earlier in the podcast, wrote his review in 1999. So I think maybe Cone Tiki 2 was so embittered because he remembered this thing so fondly and then saw a bunch of a, a, a garbage fire of digital animation mm-hmm. on his screen. And I think it enraged him. Yeah, uh, definitely a lot of unnecessary stuff. A lot of stuff blocking the foreground that would otherwise be nice to see past. (laughs) It makes it feel cluttered. And then the one scene that wasn't even a scene, it was like cut with Jabba the Hutt that has Jabba the Hutt digitally introduced into it. It's not, not the best. So I... I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed Star Wars. I did. I I'm wanted very to surprised. watch the next one. I felt You're surprised? Yes, I'm I felt like Ted Mosby sitting watching waiting for his new girlfriend to watch Star Wars. I just remember it ringing very true of them being very nervous to have her watch Star Wars. <laughs> so, yes, I was a bit nervous because I think oftentimes people have a tendency if they haven't seen something that everybody really likes or a lot of people really like that they that it's easy to feel like subconsciously when you're going in, I am going to rip this movie to shreds and prove why everybody's stupid for liking this thing. No, I, I didn't doubt I would. I didn't think I would dislike it. I, I still don't know if I fully get some people's worship of it. So, the, But I did like it. I did think it was fun. In my opinion, and in probably most people's opinion, the next movie is the best movie. All right. Something to keep in mind. 
maybe I shouldn't build it up like that. <laughs> but I did want to know, was, was there some things that caught you off guard that you weren't expecting about Star Wars? Have uh, you never seen it? Having expectations about how the movie would feel and, and look and progress? Did it feel different? Did, what, was it hitting you differently than you expected this type of movie to? No, I think it did a lot of the things I thought it would do, but I think that was part of uh, sort of, like I said, what made it so fun is that it is such a a familiar story. It feels like at, at the base with characters that feel familiar and a setup that feels very familiar. Um, so that I wouldn't necessarily say that anything surprise oh oh there was one like genuinely good joke that surprised me was it when han solo is talking on the intercom he's like everything's fine here fine thanks how are you yes how are you uh yes i thought that i was was like that's a that's a genuinely funny uh moment which i I think was an ad lib um so star search the original star wars feels like it's very whimsy very whimsical and then it just felt very natural in the ways that it was whimsical and i may be further on the end of a spectrum of star wars fans but i feel like the whimsy in more recent films doesn't always feel as natural and feels a little anachronistic feels a little bit like our time seeping into this world as opposed to it just being a natural character progression in, in Mm -hmm. the world in world. Yeah. I'm interested to see once as we continue through, uh, star Wars, um, I'm really interested to see what it's like once Disney has a hold of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. cause what you are saying rings very true with, I was just watching, uh, not that long ago, a video by Lindsay Ellis and she was talking about these new live action movies that Disney is putting out, uh, and how they have that same sort of anachronistic feeling of like our modern sensibility sort of seeping into the world and that they are almost trying to like very intentionally rectify things that their old works have been critiqued on in a way that's very heavy handed and that doesn't feel Mm. natural to the story. And that's kind of what you're, what you're saying sounds kind of like that. So I'm I'm curious once we get to those definitely in the same. um, Yeah. If that's what that'll feel like. So Let me throw out just a few things that I expected you to have an expectation for that appears to have not been a thing. Okay. So I expected you to think that there would be more action-ness in the movie than there actually is. Um, I don't think I expected there to be more action per se. It was And by action, I mean like fighting. Like yeah, no, yeah, no, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I wasn't. It, it was definitely slower paced than I was expecting it. Um, that was going to be my next thing. That it I was a out. lot more just sort of plodding along. Um, I wasn't expecting more physical fighting action, uh, but I was expecting it to progress through more of that known story arc. 
faster, which it seems like, no, that known story arc is going to be the full three that that was already thought up as. Um, in the before we watched it section, I talked about how I was expecting it to be just a very clear cut hero's journey, which it is, but it's only the departure of the hero's journey. He doesn't mm -hmm. actually get into it. So it seems like the rest of that's going to play out over the course of three movies. And I was expecting to see the whole thing mm -hmm. in one movie. Um, it's very unresolved the way the movie ends. Like yeah. the big bad mm -hmm. is just flying off into space. He's not. Oh yeah. No, that is, that's the, the immediate threat is taken care of, mm -hmm. but the greater threat. Yeah. Is oh, that not. was something that I was surprised by. I assumed that Darth Vader was the big bad. Mm -hmm. throughout the whole of the series but he was more of just the uh the he's like a the dragon yeah. uh, <laughs> in trope terms uh in this one and that the guy who looks like the food critic uh from ratatouille was the big bad in this one grandma tarkin yes him <laughs> uh <laughs> so that was unexpected yeah i was looking at because um, tarkin is the commander over all mm -hmm. of the death star and so the guy who died. Yeah. The guy who looks like Ratatouille. Yes. Okay. Where Darth Vader is like the right hand man of this as yet unknown mm -hmm. emperor that just kind of rules. And he's mm -hmm. kind of the right hand man off can do his own thing, but he doesn't necessarily have like direct authority over Tarkin, especially on the Death Star, mm -hmm. which is Tarkin's kingdom, mm -hmm. basically. Um, another thing that surprised me in this one was the way the Jedi and the force seem to be set up as compared to, from what my understanding of where the story goes, where it ends up being in world. Um, this one seems to be setting it up as this very like, uh, mysticism versus, technology sort of thing oh those are the old ways mm -hmm. uh and han even has a line about like mm, i've never Ho hokey religions yeah i've never seen no no yeah. evidence of the force um but then later isn't there like and this is just from what has seeped into my brain from the zeitgeist so i might be completely off base but later isn't there like like jedis are just around they're known things there's nobody who doubts that the force is real there's like schools with like little kids and brown swaddlings <laughs> learning I mind i can't games. tell you i can't tell okay. you <laughs> uh anyway so that is my understanding might be completely off base but that's my understanding so um i wasn't expecting that setup yeah of, of like meh. of like this lost sacred uh -huh. knowledge yeah this, this mysticalism, I thought it was much more part of the world. Sure. Hero's journey, back to that. Um, I actually really enjoyed how closely it followed. Uh, you know, he had the mentor who gives him Shekhov's gun, the lightsaber, uh, that I assume will be handy later. Uh it ends with that. Well, isn't isn't Chekhov's gun not used? Isn't that the trope? Uh, well, the trope is that it's something that's there that you're just waiting for it to be used. Okay. Like it gets introduced, and then for the rest of it, you're just waiting for that thing to be used. Um, 
Well, so I'm assuming that's going to be very important to the journey. It'll have some sort of uh, capabilities. He, he, he used it. Just to it? train. He didn't like... He yeah. was just playing with the ball, but he wasn't like... Okay. He wasn't really using it. I guess, I guess when you say it like that, your thoughts might be fulfilled on it. It might not be. Okay. We'll see. Uh, I also liked how uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, Lion Kings it up and just <laughs> vaporizes and is mm-hmm. then, like, in the ether doing some... He lives in you stuff for the rest of the, the movie. He's one with the force. Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, I also thought that you would be surprised that we were following around these droids for a pretty significant chunk at the very beginning of the movie. <laughs> and and. I would think that in your mind, you wouldn't necessarily think about those two being like big characters in the movie. But for somebody that's but will watch Star Wars, like I, I vaguely have the memory of the first time I watched Star Wars, but I've been watching Star Wars for so long that I don't even know for sure if I know the mm-hmm. first time I saw Star Wars. So in my mind, they're just like part of the main group of characters. So I don't know, was that surprising to you that so much of it was told through these two characters, one of whom says nothing? No, I, I think um, there's enough about Star Wars in the zeitgeist, as you say, that even as somebody who had never watched it, like, I knew those two were, were going to be in it for the long haul. For the long haul. Um, yeah, no, didn't surprise me. Okay. <laughs> I liked how I enjoyed, as somebody who does enjoy other sci-fi things, <laughs> but hadn't yeah. seen Star Wars, uh, I enjoyed finding, like, the Easter eggs of, like, oh, this has sort of become a bigger trope in the genre. In the genre, sure. Um, Do you have an example for that? Oh, I have lots of examples. Okay, yeah, that. share some. Uh, so the way the ship that Leia's in at the beginning looks is the same way everything in the future looks Mm -hmm. in every sci-fi movie ever now. It all looks like an Apple store. It's white, clean lines. Um, So that felt very uh, uh, familiar. The the idea of the Death Star, this thing that can destroy planets, I feel like that's very omnipresent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or even like a planet-sized space station Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it's a very like the i really like the uh red rising series by pierce brown and there's a a big thing about uh like an old ruler who had completely burned a planet incinerated it Mm -hmm. uh in like titan ae a children's movie there's like that thing that eats planets Mm -hmm. that awful valerian movie Yep. the planet destroyer uh yeah so i feel like that's a very a very common trope now i feel like firefly was definitely very joss whedon definitely is a star wars watched fan. and enjoyed star wars uh i'm pretty sure we can just <laughs> confirm that i'm pretty sure he's a well-known star wars tweet fan. at us joss whedon uh <laughs> 
You just want Joss Whedon to tweet at you. I do want him to tweet at me. Um, but uh, Malcolm Reynolds feels very Han, Han Solo. Solo yes. Even the outfit is yep. a little Han Solo-y. Just that like rugged space cowboy mm-hmm. looking out for me and my crew uh, mentality to the idea which uh, Star Wars not as explicitly as Firefly does, but also has that feeling of a, a space Western. Yes, that's that's very intentional. I can tell. You said this movie was rated PG? Yes. It was a lot more graphic than I was expecting. <laughs> the burned bodies. The charred remains of his aunt and uncle. That was... Surprising. That was grotesque. <laughs> that was that was shocking yeah also reminded me of firefly where you go to that planet and you just see all the skeletons mm-hmm. yep uh <laughs> yeah so that that was that was shocking to me um i feel like a bit of a, a a goof when he he cuts off the arm and there's like blood shooting out of it Mm-hmm. that doesn't seem realistic so that's it all- should burn so close. So it's funny that you bring that up. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever discussed this with other people that enjoy Star Wars, but that is the only time I know of in the Star Wars universe that a cut with a lightsaber or blast with a blaster leads to like a copious amount of blood. Mm-hmm. Almost. It should cauterize the wound, shouldn't it? You will see a very different reaction to a lightsaber very soon in our Star Wars watching. In, in our Star Wars journey. Yes, you will see a very different reaction very soon. And you will see that reaction become the norm across all of the other things. Which is basically a bloodless encounter with a laser. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, th- that luckily didn't get digitized out because Mm -hmm. that would have been even worse but you can you can see a little bit of a crack through the creative yeah they're still working out all the all the kinks of the world yeah exactly (laughs) and they realize oh that's not how this it would interact with it yeah yeah which that was a weird scene that's a great scene i didn't like it why didn't you like it 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 establishes what a cantina is like. like. What a cantina is like. It's got the aliens playing the the which is iconic. And then it's so many different races of aliens. So you get this this picture of this huge, wide variety of species. I understand that they're trying to set up that this is like a vast galaxy with lots of different alien critters living in it but the way these aliens are designed they don't have the same fun quality as that mammoth thing it just looks like a really cheap furry convention they're just practical effects it's just practical makeup i don't feel like they're designed very well though to each his own (laughs) so afterwards you went on imdb and you already knew Harrison Ford. You wanted to see what else Carrie Fisher was in. And then you wanted to see what else Mark Hamill was in. And I told you <laughs> as you were pulling it up, 
oh, Mark Hamill is primarily a very prolific voice yes. actor. Mark Hamill needs standards. And you were not you were <laughs> not prepared for what you were about to see on Mark Hamill's no, IMDb. No, I, I was not. I think... Like a thousand <laughs> voice character roles. I think Mark Hamill needs to be a little bit pickier. I think... It's a job. He's an actor. He's getting paid. <laughs> I think... You need to respect yourself, Mark Hamill. Respect yourself. If you could go into <laughs> any soundstage that you wanted to record for an hour and a half, maybe an eight-hour day at max, and then walk out and you've got your paycheck and you're on to the next project, you're telling me you wouldn't take advantage of that. Mark Hamill does not need it. He's got that sweet, sweet Star Wars money. It's not about needing it. It's about enjoying it. You get to walk in, you get to lend your voice to something, and then you're done. Give me a second here to pull up Mark Hamill's IMDb page. Oh, it's okay. Oh, no. He was in Brixby Bear. Yeah. He was the dad. Oh. The one who was making the creepy movies? Yep. What a creep, Mark Hamill. Uh, but see, that's a rule. Good job, Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Oh, Biker Mice from Mars. What is that? I don't know, but I'm sure you got paid for it. (laughs) Probably. All right. I've got one more thing that I wanted to hit on. You said that you thought Star Wars would be slightly overrated. What's your opinion now? What is my opinion now? I think going off just the one that we watched, I think I, I would still put it in the slightly overrated category but but only slightly up from appropriately rated but i think that might even out as we continue to watch you said that you thought it would be an okay movie so you said it was delightful so that's an upgrade from your expectations correct (laughs) yes yes okay yes i I, uh yes it it exceeded my expectations but i think if i was like still placing it on a scale of underrated appropriately rated overrated i would still just be just ever so slightly on the overrated side the john williams score um, I don't know what Cone Tiki 2 was talking about. Cone Tiki had made such a fuss about how disruptive the score was that I was expecting something that was very, not a bad score, but I was expecting like an overbearing score. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did not find the score so at all. It was one of those scores where you barely notice it, which is... Excellent, mm-hmm. but you know it's it's bolstering the the watching experience, but it's not drawing undue attention to itself. Do you think the score and the movie as a whole merited the six Academy Award wins? What was it up against that year? <clears throat> most most awards. Okay, so here we go. I found it. Most okay. awards of the nineteen seventy eight. Uh, Oscars was Star Wars and so Annie Hall won Best Picture beating Star Wars Woody Allen won Best Director beating Star Wars 
the only acting performance that was nominated was Alec Guinness, probably just because it was Alec Guinness, not because... Is he the old guy? He was the old guy. Uh, lost Best Original Screenplay. So one Best Score. John Williams for Star Wars, beating John Williams for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, beating something called Julia, beating The Spy Who Loved Me, and beating Mohammed, Messenger of God. Well, <laughs> So the really the biggest other opponent that John Williams had with Star Wars was himself on Close Encounters of the Third Kind. <laughs> that's, that's the best place to be. That is. That is the best possible place to be. So that makes sense. Best sound uh, was also up against Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Is that a scary movie? Uh, it's an alien movie. Best costume design. Uh, don't recognize any of the other movies. Best cinematography. It was not up in that category. Interesting. Best art direction. So Best Art Direction uh, also beat Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Best Film Editing also beat Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Smoking in the Bandit. Uh, Best Visual Effects also beat Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So Mm. it basically beat Close Encounters of the Third Kind for all of the categories. Okay, so Close Encounters of the Third Kind was its direct arrival. I feel like I need to see that movie to really... (laughs) Like, I feel like I have nothing to compare it to. I don't okay. even know if I've seen another movie from the 70s. What's a movie that was made Can, in the 70s? Did you know the Star Wars theme song generally before you watched it? I don't think so. You you don't think you could have hummed something Star Wars-ish? I think I could have hummed. There's... is. No, I don't think I could have. <laughs> like, dun, 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 That sounds familiar now that you hum it, but if, like, before this you had just said, hum something from Star Wars, I don't think anything would have or, come to my brain. But now that so? you're doing, no, not, like, out of nowhere. But now that you're doing it, those things do ring a bell. You're looking at me like I'm a crazy person. I mean, well, now it sounds familiar because I've watched it, but if you had done that earlier, I'm not sure if I would have. The point I'm trying to make is I don't think anybody has an I mental image for this <laughs> is what, what close encounter, encounters close encounters of third encounters. kind <laughs> sounds like i guess that's fair so i i would agree that even though i do not think i could have picked out a star wars score um i do agree with you that probably the general population would have been able to the majority of humans so the next time that we record it will be your turn. It will be my turn. Uh, do you want to reveal what your movie is going to be? <gasps> I do. So that people can prepare <laughs> to then watch the podcast. Although, I imagine many people will want to listen, pause, go watch, and then play. Uh, so, Justin, I am going to be making you watch the classic movie, Stand By Me. Great. That sounds like fun. I've never seen Stand By Me, and we will do our predictions at the top of the next episode. So thank you for listening. 
subscribe and share with your friends. And good night. <laughs>